great is about managing a lot of websites, deploying a lot of websites all the time. So we didn't want to use multi-sites, we want to have lots of websites and to manage them centrally. And a lot of page builders and software aren't good with multi-sites and some hosters too. WhiteCloud is your perfect tool anyways, but if you want to do it for hundreds of websites and also control the content and being, uh, having it dynamic and connecting all the sites, connecting it with great, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah? That absolutely makes sense. Good day, everybody. If you're listening or watching to this podcast, it is probably because you've seen the face of the guy who's sitting virtually next to me right now, or you've heard him say the most astonishingly wise things through the snippets that I am sure I'm going to edit out of this podcast. Because today I have with me here, Mark from Great, and I know I'm almost making you uncomfortable right now, but I do want to give people a really good impression of how impressed I am with you and your company and your co-founders because not until too long ago, we would, we had never heard of you. And then at the same time, we had heard of each other and decided that we wanted to get in touch. And now here we are today, one partnership and many good conversations later. But before we dive into that, why don't you, if you want, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how your life has resulted in what is now great. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm Mark. I'm uh, the founder or the managing director of Great. I founded it together with uh, a friend of mine, Thomas, who is a web designer, and we are also a management team of four people. Um, most important is maybe Jacob, who is the yeah, head of technology of our company. Um, I'm basically a, a business and marketing guy. I had this uh, very linear German career of being a junior marketing guy, becoming a senior marketing guy, becoming a managing director. And um, we also founded a digital marketing agency in 2014. It was just a small agency and we started to uh, build websites as everybody did. And yeah, the problem was everything has to, had to be customized, every button. It took too much time. At the same time, I was uh, still employed at, at a big company and we, yeah, we did some TV ads. So I wanted to change the landing pages basically every day. This was just not possible. And it got me very angry because we, we did spend a lot of money on that. And so I wanted to create a system which is able to manage a couple of websites at the same time and also, yeah, manipulate or change things on the website very, very fast and not always using a developer because at least here in Germany, Munich, you don't have that many. So it was always a problem about resources and we needed to change a lot of things very fast every day. So this was basically the need that we had and customers of ours had. <laughs> so we just started to create it. And what made you get into WordPress in the first place? I mean, you mentioned that you started building websites, but there is one decision that precedes that, which is yeah. the choice of a CMS. So what brought yeah. you to WordPress? I mean, my first steps into the website business were more like typo three, which is still not a big thing, but a thing in Germany. So if you're from, uh, from an older company, you probably use a typo three. So that was just a system. Yeah. And then we, yeah, we tried Joomla and in 2013, 2014, we ended with WordPress because it was basically 
the thing at that time. Yeah, it still is, in my opinion. But at that time, it was the best thing that we could do. At that time, the page builders uh, started to spread. Yeah, so it it's, well, it was getting easier and easier to to create competitive websites, and yeah. And we loved it, yeah. And we could uh, we could uh, manipulate it, we could scale it. So it was the perfect system for our needs. And then we had nice. the idea, so we had to work on it. And so what I know is, I mean, you just told me you're the business and marketing guy, and you started the company mm. with Thomas, who I know is a yeah. designer. How soon after yeah. did Jacob become involved, or how, how like when did his uh, addition become so necessary for you guys? Because you guys have been building quite complex systems for a while mm. now. How did that develop? I mean, Jacob was not the first developer, but but he was a driver. So our our first developer was or is uh, Patrick. Uh, we worked with him the last fifteen years in in augmented reality projects and whatsoever. So we've been friends and partners. So obviously, we told him that now he has to create WordPress stuff and not just uh, augmented reality <laughs> stuff. He did it, and then in, uh, did he did he like it? <laughs> In the beginning, I wouldn't say so, but I mean, um, more important for him than the things, what he wanted to create was who he wanted to create it with and in, in which way. And we always told him that I wouldn't be a CEO, which is coming to his desk and telling him today you have to do this, this and that, and tomorrow this, this and that, and now we change it. Yeah. So that was even more important. Yeah? But, uh, and, and we started it, it was a three month uh, MVP project basically it was a, a short a short email because i was so angry we we needed to do three different landing pages basically the same yeah for customers but it was three different projects and i was like this is not possible we just want to change some, some things you know and uh, they didn't get it and so i wrote this short list from a from a marketing sales manager perspective what do i need to do I need to change the header. I need to create a form everywhere I want it to be, even if it's in the header. I, I need to change the form myself. Yeah, it has to look good and some other things. And if you are a marketing, a sales guy, for you, the website in the end has to create sales leads or whatsoever. Yeah. So you need a fast way to get those. And basically, I needed 15 different features, functionalities whatsoever. I sent that list to Thomas. He had a look on it, changed some stuff. We sent that to, to Patrick and told him, do it. And he said, yeah, give me two months, three months. And after those three months, it was clear that it would be possible. It would take a lot of time, but it would be possible. And then we needed to hire some, some more people. And basically, we got Jacob directly from university. He was just, uh, he was a young guy. He was more working in uh, UI, UX stuff, design stuff, but he was always creating uh, websites for customers while studying. And we got him right from university. And um, yeah, he was, he had ambition and he wanted to do stuff. And the most important about the success that we had in software de development was that we didn't have any veterans that time yeah now we do but then we just had young people people who didn't work with uh, wordpress too much so they could just start from scratch yeah and um yeah and jacob was 
he had the right ideas and he created the right things. He saw WordPress from a technical perspective as I saw it from a business perspective. That was great. Yeah. I can testify to his ambition because he yes. actually sent me an email this morning at seven o'clock. <laughs> and um, fortunately, I was already awake for an hour. So for me, it was perfect. Like I could immediately start my day because he sent me this one thing I needed. Um, which is another cool project that we're working on, which we might touch upon later. But um, you mentioned something which I thought was interesting. You you mentioned that uh, Patrick came up with some results after like two or three months, and then you realized that this was possible, but it would take time. But it was possible. Mm -hmm. It almost it almost feels like you're it almost feel feels like you're overlooking a certain decision that you made on your on your part, uh, which I think is very modest of you which is the decision to go forward with that. Like apparently yeah. the time frame that then not make that much of a difference to you, you wanted to have this. So how did that decision come to be? I mean, I, I had a successful career at that time. I was uh, 33, 32 years. I don't know, managing director and enough money. I had a nice uh, life and that was good. But the idea was so big and so interesting that I had to do it. And this was the first time that I could do it on my own. I mean, not with Thomas, Thomas is basically me and my home. Yeah, we are, we are the same, but without a boss, without money from a, from a senior partner, I just wanted to see, are my skills enough to do it? Yeah. And to be honest, if it wasn't great, it would have been something else. I had to do something. Yeah. And also uh, the market, the niche was, was great. It was nice. So it was the perfect time and the perfect place to do it. Yeah? But I wanted so to do something. Yeah? You're alluding to a certain vision, which I think is very admirable. And it's also very yeah. clear when I speak to you every time, what is that vision that you were working towards? Or maybe what was the, the rough diamond that you had at that time? Because I can imagine that the vision has evolved over time. But at the moment when you guys decided to do this and pursue this, what was the, what was the, the core problem that you guys wanted to solve for which you had this specific vision? I mean, WordPress from, if you are the marketing boss or, or the, the buyer in the company, WordPress always is a project for you. Is it a small landing page? Is it a big infrastructure? It always is a project. If you buy Salesforce, HubSpot, whatsoever, it's a product. Yeah, you can enhance it, but you're absolutely able to buy it. And I always tell my people, if you want to sell something, it has to be buyable. Yeah, it has to be a product, not just, yeah, it is possible. We can do it. It takes 20 days and now you have it and you need five days more because there are two things that you didn't mention and blah, 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 blah. So every time we wanted to sell big product, uh, big projects, and you have to see we're from Munich, this is expensive. We, we can't sell cheap, easy websites. It's just impossible. We have to do complex things. They have the quality, but if we want to sell things, they are expensive. And if you have a, a big uh, WordPress project, it always takes time to negotiate and it's always not that understandable for the customers. So, so I always wanted to, to be like, we, we have suites in every business. We have an Adobe creative suite. We have big content management systems, which by the way, are always suites like, I don't know, Webflow, Contentful whatsoever. You can always enhance them. 
But in WordPress, it was always that idea of that system with those 55,000 plugins and they do all work together, which they don't. Yeah. So in the end, it's could, it couldn't be a, a product. So everything was a project. For example, our, one of our first and biggest customers, it's a, it's a public German company. They started to need more and more websites. And first it was 10, then 20, then 30. And we had always, we had to start from, from scratch every time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we could re reuse some things, but basically you always had to start from scratch and we always had to pitch that project and we always had to tell people why this that this and that yeah. and my vision was why isn't that easy because we have everything in wordpress it's the biggest market it's maybe the biggest software market in the world yeah why isn't it easy and i wanted to make it easy my my vision always was like you have to build ultra complex things which are then very easy for the customers yeah and for example, one of our most important things, which we work together on is, is global content. It's ultra complex and has to be super easy for, for customers. And if you do that, that's a product. You're getting me all excited because this is, this, you're <laughs> saying all the right stuff that completely aligns with my vision. Uh, but maybe I, I want to understand this particular use case of the, of the public German company. Um, yep. because, you, because you mentioned all the problems that you guys were having. But specifically for this use case, how did you end up solving it? And, and, and how does that relate to the great suite? We were, there were different problems. One problem was that they don't want to buy every landing page. Yeah? They want to create it themselves. They need fast installing, fast integrating, reusable templates and stuff. So we had to build them a suite where they can do that. Yeah? Um, and they wanted also yeah, easy, easy usage of uh, form generators. So we had to integrate a form generator, which then worked for every site. That was one problem. So many sites, building many sites. The next problem was if you have many, and for example, in the past as a marketing manager, I used, uh, uh, how were they called? Um, yeah, different uh, products where you could create hundreds of landing pages, but they are all separate. I don't know the name inbound whatsoever i don't know but uh, the problem was yeah, that I think this I big know what you mean yeah this big company needed to to manage all those websites from one central point because if you have 70 80 90 you have all those versions you have all those different plugins blah 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 so they wanted to manage it central so we had to create the hub the hub is a place where you see all your websites you see all the versions all the templates you can copy install whatsoever and the third thing was they wanted to sync the website. So for example, they now have 150. So there's this one piece of content that you want to change and you want to deploy it to 150 websites or maybe just to 100 because those other 50, you are, you are not allowed to change it maybe. Yeah. So these were the three problems and yeah, basically we have to solve them and around those ideas, do a lot, manage centrally and uh, change on every website, we could build those networks and the vision or the product idea of great changed from build it easy to have infrastructure, have professional system, industry standard, as we say in Germany. Yeah? And yeah, this basically was the idea and the vision of it. Yeah? Interesting. You use the word industry standard because I, I get it completely. It, it, it refers to a certain quality, obviously. Yeah. 
but it seems to me as if you are creating the industry standard or at least how you feel the industry standard should be. And um, maybe to dig into that a little deeper, I just realized that I've never looked up the definition of the word sweet. And uh, you and I have been using it in our in our talk, like in, in the conversations we've had a while, a, a lot. But what it, what is exactly your definition of a suite as it relates to how Contentful or Adobe have a suite? How does you, how does your suite compare? I mean, emotionally, the word suite is is easy because you feel everything is in it. You know, a suite is round. Yeah, you get everything. You can control it. Uh, you can you can control the price. You can control the environment. And a suite is always given by a professional developer. You don't do suites at home. Yeah. So the idea was to give the user a feeling that everything is in it. Yeah. That was the emotional idea. The professional idea was like, it is not a project. It's a product. You can enhance it, but 99% of the things that you need to do, you can do it within the suite. Yeah. I always thought that why the hell do I need a, a header plugin for a website? I mean, there are obviously good ones. Yeah. But why the hell is it a, a separate plugin? If you think from any kind of economic idea, this is a basic feature. It should have been part of WordPress. And that is also the reason why we got those third-party plugin, uh, page builder plugins. It wasn't part of WordPress, yeah? An engine is always part of a car. And basically in Germany, everybody is proud about the engines in the car. So they say, this is our knowledge. This is the power of the system, yeah? And we gave the page builder away to third-party developers, which is horrible as far as I think, yeah? So, yeah, the idea was always to, to show known, known, uh, known images, like everything is in it. You can do everything with it. You, sometimes you need other stuff, but you're pretty safe with the suite, yeah? You can control it. That's, that was always the idea. I like and, it. How do you... How do you, um, because in your, in my understanding of how you define a suite, it is also something that is like a, like a full solution, right? You can do everything with yeah. it that you are supposed yes. to do. How do you, um, how do you feel that, wh what do you feel your position is within the WordPress ecosystem? Like how, like, obviously we're collaborating, we have a partnership, mm. but how are you, uh, what are, what are your feelings towards other partnerships with other companies and where do you feel like they complement you or you complement them really well? I mean, for us, Gutenberg and full-site editing were a blessing, yeah? Because now, basically, everything can work together, which didn't so far. So you got those multi-purpose whatsoever theme, and it could do just this and not that, and you could do use this and not that. So, I mean, we are a small company right now, but from, from a technology perspective, I would say that we are the infrastructure, the WordPress infrastructure you built your agency on, yeah? That means you can use WordPress, you have to use, I mean, you have to use GradeSuite, obviously, and then you can use whatever you want. In the, in the full-site editing the universe, you can just use anything, yeah? And in the future, maybe any plugin, you just put it in and you can use the feature, but the infrastructure is always great, yeah? And basically, this is the same idea with you guys. Yeah, The idea is you can enhance it, but it's one product and everything works together. Everything fits together. So we want to be the infrastructure, which is optimizing your, your building and managing processes of your website. 
seen the software. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely, of course, you're definitely matching my vibe here, um, yeah. because as 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 our companies compare, um, we have the same building philosophy. Like we 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 love to approach things from from a product perspective, uh, which implies efficiency, which implies scalability. Uh, we just focus on different areas uh, where we focus mainly or almost specifically on the hosting infrastructure and the, and the building of the code. You're basically one level up, as it were, like from the, on a WordPress perspective, you manipulate WordPress a lot. We hardly manipulate WordPress. And, uh, and it almost seems like we're manipulating other stuff within WordPress. So it's, yeah, it's like, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect way of complementing each other. But enough about us. Is there another partnership that you'd love to pursue in the future? Is there like a specific company or maybe a specific te technology, perhaps outside of WordPress, that you feel would really benefit the ecosystem or the or the or the 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 the, the path that we're on as as an ecosystem? I mean, obviously, we are looking into AI, yeah, but. Uh... We don't want to do a, yeah, we want to have a moonshot. We want to do something that is really helping us. For example, uh, with Great Suite, you have great functionality, complex functionality. Yeah? But uh, in the end, if you want to build it up, the first time it's complex. You have the, to build the infrastructure. Yeah? And if you want to change it, it's also hard. It's not hard, but it takes time if you want to do it for a big uh, system with 150 sites. What we want to do, we not only want to automate how you get images, yeah, creating creating artificial images, that's great, that's fine. Creating text is also great and fine. But what we want to do is that the website itself reacts on what you do live, yeah. And we want that the functionality is creating new functionality. So we wanted to do it the hard way, and we want to automize all. And there we are also uh, talking about process because great is always about the process to build a website. We want to optimize parts of the things you do when you're building websites. This is one thing nice. we look into. And so uh, are you talking, another like, thing is do you headless. mean, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about headless first. I want to, I want to yeah. get back to the subject of AI because you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're conjuring up so many questions on my part, mm -hmm. but yeah. what is the headless thing going to be? I mean, obviously I know already, but can you please. Give us a, a bit of an overview of what that's going to be like. I mean, in the end, WordPress is one thing that you do in the internet. Yeah. Sometimes you need to do display stuff, but you, you use thousands of different tools like, uh, uh, custom, um, CRMs and whatsoever. Yeah. So in the past it was always there's WordPress and then the rest around it. And then there's the media library and stuff. And basically. As I said, we want to be an infrastructure. We also want to be an infrastructure for that. So in the future, you could use WordPress with Great Suite as a headless tool. Yeah. And so, how does the how does the user of Great uh, going to use that? In I feel like you're almost uh, painting me a picture where this works together with other software suites as well. Maybe like how is, am I correct, or how would that work? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. That is basically the idea of it. Yeah? I mean, in the end, nowadays we are always asked, can I do that headless? And headless is basically a buzzword, but the idea between uh, the idea of headless is as old as it gets. And it, it, it is as WordPress as it gets. Yeah? Uh, the only problem is we haven't been able to create products. Yeah. So if you are, if you are an agency and you are in a pitch, you're always pitching against 
headless stuff, yeah? And that is the thing that I meant. It is easy for a marketing team to buy a headless product because it's a product and it's always hard to buy it as a WordPress project. But in the end, you could do anything you do in Contentful or other tools with WordPress, yeah? But you have to create a product out of it and you have to make it easy because in the end, um, headless does need developers. They always say you don't need developers anymore. You can do anything yourself. No, you can't, yeah? If you want to integrate other tools, other softwares, you have to have developers and we also want to make that easy. Yeah? So, for example, a, customers or a customer of ours is now integrating a Seismic, which is a sales tool. And with our new headless feature, he's just able to integrate it. Nothing else. And so it, it, you're, it seems like you're, you're alluding to the idea of grade um, moving from being, or maybe expanding from being a tool used by, you know, anyone from a freelancer to a small agency to a more enterprise level customer. Am I correct? You are, because in the end, the easy things that you do will be part of the core in a couple of years. I mean, we are pretty edgy right now, yeah, because we are on the forefront. But in a couple of months or years, as you see it with, with multilingual, it will be part of the core. And more and more things will be part of the core. So if we want to stay in the business, we have to be able to show complex solutions which are not part of the core. So we are building around it. We are leaving the rest on its own. I mean, Gutenberg is perfect. Full-site editing will be. So we are working on different things which won't become part of the core. Yeah. And this if is, you want to be successful, I mean, they have to be complex. Otherwise, everybody will do it. Dude, I, I love this statement because it shows um, true CEO vision because you're talking like, like high over uh, abstract concepts. But at the same time, you're painting a really clear, clear picture because uh, um, as I understand it, you're, 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 you're talking about this threat where the WordPress core ecosystem is basically swallowing up everything that is you know, quite easy to adopt, um, which is, which is not a problem. Like, I think, I think that's also what becomes very clear from your story, which is, it's not the problem. It's, it's on the one hand, it's driving us to become more competitive and more innovative, but on the other hand, it allows us to do more complicated stuff. It's, it's a, it's like an analogy that somebody, uh, just told me the other day, and uh, this was actually an analogy with AI. But it was about how AI is not something we should fear in the same way that we didn't fear the calculator. When we first had the calculator machine, it, it made math at school more complex. We were able to teach our children more complicated math because they didn't have to remember all these silly calculations. You could just do them and delegate them to a machine. Mm -hmm. And similarly to AI, it is something that will help us, uh, or at least this is something that, that we could debate. But from what, what I understand, you're viewing WordPress as um, a more solid fundament to whatever you're building. And then Grade could be on top of that, making more and more complex stuff, which is more and more on the fringe and therefore more and more valuable, right? Yes, absolutely right. And basically, as I see the future for WordPress, if you want to be successful, that might be the only way you can go as a product developer, especially from Europe and Germany. Yeah. You can't yeah, do the small and easy plugins. Yeah. Um, and on the, on the subject of small and easy plugins, uh, you did mention AI just now. And, and one of mm. the questions that uh, arose for me was, 
Um, but did you mean that when you say that the AI should help you build, you mean like in like it will help, like it will predict basically what you're trying to achieve and then will like almost like autocorrect, like almost like it will end your sentences, but in code, in functionality? Is that what you, what you meant? What what makes our product different is that everything is dynamic. Yeah. So, for example, a text, an image, or whatsoever could look different on any website. Yeah. That means you can manipulate it, right? It's dynamic. Yeah. So think about getting live information about what would change the conversion of the customer to higher sales or whatsoever. Yeah. Think about that idea. The customer is uh, is acting on the website. We get live information because we see what he does. We compare it to things that we know, and we know now if we if we now show him instead of the the form, we show him the white paper. The probability of selling a product gets twenty percent higher. Think about that life. Yeah, that would be great. That would be a great Sick. usage of artificial intelligence. Huh? Could you uh, change pages and funnels based on the um, on the origin of the website visitor? So, say for example, they click on an ad and the page looks different uh, as to when they come from organic search, for example, and you basically I, dynamically, you know, yeah. create new pages on the fly. I mean that that is not what we what we call uh, dynamic. That is what we call uh, conditional content. Basically, we can do that now. Yeah, we can. Yeah, that's by right. time, by whatsoever, that, that's pretty easy. And the website can look totally different. Yeah? If you're right, that, that's, that is conditional content. So how does yeah. that, how does that compare in your, or how does that oppose each other? I mean, conditional content in the end is static. Yeah. It's the conditions. Yeah. If you use artificial, artificial intelligence, it's more like life learning, machine learning. Yeah. We see how customers react and we change it. And in the past, it was always, it was always uh, guessing, professional guessing, basically. Yeah, you had uh, your A/B testing, and then you changed small things. For example, the button. Maybe you had heat maps. Yeah, but only parts of it were really quantified. Yeah, and in the future, if uh, with cookie policies, etc., we don't know what data we will get from our users from the website. So we need to have more and more intelligent information. And if you are able to do that live and, the, and if the system is able to learn while working, you can really change websites live while the user is using them. Yeah. So you are basically, it's an always running A and B test. That sounds amazing. And do you also mean that um, if it has learned from visitor one, it can then take those lessons and implement it for learner for visitor two, take those, both those lessons and implement that for visitor three, and then basically improve over time independently. That's the idea. Wow. Because right, it's making in more... the end, in the end, sorry uh, for interrupting you. In the end, you, you have to, yeah, to put a goal, a target, and you only have to. Yeah, iterate to the target. Yeah, if the target is the highest, it's almost like you're programming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're programming it to play a game, essentially. Like this is the goal. Just find a way to achieve the goal. Yeah. I I feel like um um you've mentioned like Germany car making, uh, proud of engine blocks a, a lot, 
and at the same time you're you're like you're very funny in the way that you're being ironic about being german but yeah. um at the same time i feel like there's this immense pride about like the, the surroundings that you have nearby in munich how how is that like influenced or inspired you to implement or adopt certain philosophies or certain models into your business i mean there are those principles that you have obviously i always was like i would never hire cheap developers or whatsoever somewhere in the world to give me an advantage because i live in munich i i need a, a high payment compared to the rest of germany yeah and i was always like if i want to have that everybody needs that yeah so i i had to hire my developers not just here in munich but basically they are all in, in bavaria yes and um, that's expensive so if it is expensive you have to work in a different way you can't be cheap if you can't be cheap you have to be complex we didn't have a venture capital in the beginning and we don't have it now so we had to do it on our own yeah and as i said we we've been a, an agency so we had customers and uh, we used those to yeah transform an agency into a product company and to do it yourself and i'm more the old fashioned uh, entrepreneur i'm not that give me 1 million and i do whatever and if it uh, if it doesn't work it's not my problem uh, in germany we call it uh, der hanseatische kaufmann uh, the hanseatic salesman uh, that is filled with proud uh, and <laughs> is that funny yeah no it's just uh, i don't know I, I, yeah cool yeah. no go on and uh, and as i'm from bavaria and i'm obviously also proud bavarian and i'm proud to live here in munich or i, I like the, the way we live here i said to myself i have to do it here i want to be successful i have to be successful so yeah being still in the game after a couple of years yeah we're proud of that this makes us also humble this makes us aggressive because we have always the idea that we are on our own even if we have partners like you we are on our own we are small we have to do it different we can't believe the things other people say we can't do the same marketing the same sales the same product and that makes you yeah that makes me proud and that makes us proud and that's that is our philosophy yeah in the end i i i highly admire it uh if that wasn't apparent already and there's another thing that you guys are doing quite aggressively lately uh, on a very positive <laughs> note, which is um, uh, moving into um, into the, moving closer into the WordPress community and making a contribution yeah. there. Uh, you were one of the main sponsors for WordCamp, for WordCamp Germany. Um, and also, it seems like you're employing more and more uh, WordPress celebrities, you could say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got Anne now. Um, who's, uh, who's, who's, who's a great, great person. Um, shout out to Anne. Yes. But, um, yes. so uh, like, how did that come? Like, obviously, um, I, I, we have to, we had this discussion previously, like we didn't feel like we were a WordPress company at first. And, and then we realized that we were, how did that go for you? Like, where did that awareness come from? I mean, <laughs> the hard learnings, hard learnings, blood noises. <laughs> I mean. We started as we would start in, like you guys in, in every other industry. We wanted to, yeah, we contacted people in the industry, influencers. We contacted webinar people and stuff. And we, we've been just like, hey, we want to show our product. What can we do? Blah, blah, blah. 
and uh, we we didn't know that there was some kind or that kind of WordPress community. Obviously, there's a community in every industry, but we didn't understand it at all. Yeah, so we pushed too far in some ways um, because we didn't know the rules. Yeah, we just didn't know. Our fault, but we didn't. And um, we had to learn it the hard way. We we wanted to sponsor a meetup. We didn't know that this is not allowed. Yeah, we so we did it and we got into trouble into in the German WordPress community. And it was pretty fun because there are people <laughs> who are really hard and they say no, they they are not allowed. And there are other people who said they just don't know. They tell them. Yeah. And so we went to the first WordCamps and we. Yeah, we met people like like Robert Windisch, uh, like Jessica Lischek, and uh, later on Anne. And the first thing that we we found out that was that they are so helpful and they are so interested. And um, so we had to learn how that community works. And then we found out we can't do it the Mark Weisbrot way. <laughs> we have to do it the WordPress way. So we had to learn. Um, so we. Yeah, we showed interest. We had, did some meetups and presentations. We qualified for having our first presentation at WordCamp Vienna, and um, we traveled to Portugal. And so we we learned all the rules, and we yeah met nice people and qualified people. And some became our advisors, other became our partners, and some also became our employees. And yeah, we are. We are hiring only in the WordPress industry, basically talking about technology guys, talking about developers. Um, for us, that's pretty easy because as it seems, at least some people like us. Yeah. And there will be other WordPress celebrities in the next couple of days. I can promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm happy yeah. to hear. I, I, I do know a bit about it already, but still. Um, right. But are they all in the Munich, Bavaria area, or do you also employ people remotely? I mean, basically, I love to work with people personally. I really do love that because I love people and I love working together and being powerful. But that's not that's not possible anymore. Yeah? Even if you have all the money, you couldn't hire those people in Munich alone. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Um, we have to we have to hire the best. Yeah, and we can't tell those people where to live. Yeah. So, for example, yeah. Patrick, our first developer, now lives in Portugal. Yeah, he wanted to do that, so he does that. Uh, Jacob is in Munich. We see each other every day, but the others are mostly in Bavaria. But that could be uh, any place else. And yeah, Anne is in Northern Westphalia, as everybody knows in the WordPress community, yeah, closer to the Netherlands. And yeah, yeah. Well, basically, I was so surprised. Bas yeah. I basically I don't care, but. I still think that it would be better to work together personally more often. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that this would be the better way. But yeah, this is uh, I, okay. So this this is for me a very um, active subject. This is something that I think mm -hmm. about very often because I'm like you. I love to work with people in the same room. Um, I love to bounce off ideas. I love to brainstorm topics during lunch and. Uh, well, maybe lunch is not necessarily my favorite time of the day. It's more like a beer after work, which gets my creative juices flowing. And um, in that sense, I'm a very annoying uh, colleague to have because I like as, as I, 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 it's very hard for me to stop thinking or talking about work. Yeah. Uh, but at least while I'm while I'm holding a beer, I, I get a lot more fun. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I know that that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
At least I'm not bragging. <laughs> but um, I also, I also, I also realized that Sebrin, for example, one of my co-founders, um, if we had this conversation any earlier, you would have, you would have seen him today. But he actually left for Thailand today uh, for the next three months, and he's been doing this for he's been doing this every winter for the past I want to say three or four years. I think we've been working together for the past seven. Um, because he gets this insane winter depression. Like he's not the same guy during winter. And uh, so a few, few years ago, uh, actually during the pandemic, when our agency pretty much lost all of our customers and we didn't really have any salary left. So we were basically living off our uh, savings and Cyprian didn't really have too, many, too much savings because he's very young still. So he mm -hmm. actually moved to Portugal to live more cheaply. But coincidentally, it was also in the winter and Portugal is much more sunny. And we just noticed how he would feel so much better. And uh, yeah. it was actually much more productive. So I was actually, and at first I was hesitant to, uh, to agree with a location that was outside of our time zone. So uh, he went to Portugal, South Africa. And then last year he went to Mexico and uh, Guatemala, which was five mm -hmm. hours away. But actually, not too long ago, I found out that for one week, he was on the other side of the coast. He was on the West Coast, which was eight hours away. And I, did, I didn't even notice. Like, he was actually working in the same time zone. And he was actually being as productive. Um, so what I realized is, even though it's, it's great to have him close, and we had dinner last Monday, and we talked throughout the night, and it was like this super, um, like this super uh, like a valuable moment that we were sharing together. At the same time, I do realize that now people can be more productive uh, when they're remote. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's a good idea to have that throughout the year, the entire year. I mean, it's all about the people, you know. I mean, for some people that works. I mean, the past 15 years, I've seen a lot of colleagues. And for some that works, but not for all. In the end, I don't care. I mean, it's all about the results and I, I don't treat my employees as my employees. They are my colleagues. Yeah. I take them for serious. They, even if they are young, they are grown ups. If they want to do the job, do it. Yeah. If you need to do it from somewhere else. Okay. But just do it. Yeah. But still, I love people and still, yeah, for me, not work is, it's not that work is everything. It's the project. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all those interesting people. It's all those visions, those ideas. Yeah. So if, if you talk to me, yeah, do it 24, seven hours a day. Yeah. And, yeah I, um, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's a very modern take on, um, being, a, a CEO, being, a, a business owner, but at the same time, I mean, um, oh, let me ask you this, and then we'll get to, uh, and that, then we, then we'll get to what I'm really after. If you mm. weren't a business owner right now, but were still an employee, would you work yeah. as hard and as passionate for another person's business as you do for yourself? In the end, yes, I would give my why, well, because I always do. I mean, of course, the result is not your own, and you can maybe be a little more relaxed uh, but i always thought as an entrepreneur and i always wanted to know the results even when i was a junior marketing guy i was 21 whatsoever because these were my results yeah i always want to win i always want to be part of the team i always want to do what's necessary and 
even if I have, for example, at the moment, uh, a close friend of mine is, is moving to, from a house to a flat with, with two kids catastrophe. Yeah. So basically I do it as it would be my own. I will be there on Saturday. I will be there on Sunday whatsoever. I will just do it. Yeah? I will give my best yeah? because and so, you, have, go you on, don't sorry. have that much time. You don't have that much time. So, so you need to do it your best. You assume a certain ambition um, that you would have in a, in a, a, a working at a company as you would have working for yourself. And I believe the same thing. I actually also, um, always felt like I was an like a, like a, like a entrepreneur within the company that I was working for, because at the end of the day, you are working for yourself. If you're trying to achieve something, then it doesn't make any sense to work harder for yourself as you would for someone else, because it, no. at the end, as you say, they are your results. But if you, if you assume that type of drive or at least the potential to have that drive in other people, then now your job becomes about how can we actually unleash that passion and that drive for other people, right? And then it's, and then it's about uh, what works for that person. And if that's not necessarily working in the office, then it's not necessarily working in the office. I don't really, uh, I, th I think it's a, a misled sense of control that other CEOs or business owners would have uh, when they when they when they think that people should come to the office, and it's it's really not the case. Like you can still fuck around at the office. Yeah, <laughs> believe yeah, me, I've seen. But that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, um, <laughs> there are <laughs> there are people who have to go to the office. I mean, there are really people mm. that need to go to the office because they can't organize themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that. Um, but in the Fair end. Enough. No, I mean, when I was young, I, I thought that everybody's like myself. I was money driven. I was status driven, hierarchy driven. Yeah. I, so I thought everybody would be like that. And it is a hard way in life that you have to learn that everybody's so individual. Yeah? So for example, I just hired a developer or basically she became part of the team, which is great. And, uh, she's totally different, totally. And that will be so interesting for me. And it will be hard work to find out how she ticking, what can I do to, to make her even more productive, to make her happy, happy in a sense of being, she loves it. She wants to do more and stuff. Yeah. Because she's so different and all the things that I know, they don't work there. So I have to learn new ways of motivating new ways of management. And yeah, it's the same thing in relationships, etc. Yeah. Your wife, uh, your partner. They don't want the same things that you want, even if they tell that to you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I basically mean, what you're saying is people are always lying to you. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Dr. House. Yeah. No, <laughs> I said that yesterday. I said, I really said that yesterday. I mean, people are not always lying to you, but people are not really telling you what they want. Yeah. You have to find out what they want. Yeah. It's, um, I always tell my, uh, my uh, colleagues, if they talk to customers and the customer comes up with something, which is, uh, just not doable. I tell them what does the customer want in the end? Yeah. Does he really not need that technical solution, which is expensive and, and stupid and whatsoever, or did you really ask him, what does he want? What in the end does he want? Yeah. In, in Germany, it's called Bedürfnis. Bedürfnis is a word that my colleagues hear a lot there yeah, because I always ask them, what does he want? 
what is the problem not which way which way do you drive yeah it's not about the street it's which house yeah there are maybe five different streets um so maybe this is more accurate than saying everybody's lying to you but basically a lot of people do yeah no i think that um people are so individual and in a couple of years ago in germany it was just like give them more money and that is fine and then it's fine but you can't work like this anymore yeah and it's also i agree yeah. Yeah, yeah i agree and on that note um it may sound weird but i actually love being in sales calls where people sell something to me um not yeah. necessarily because i want to buy because i'm actually not much of a buyer uh, mm. i think really long and hard before i buy anything really yeah. But okay. I love to be the subject of being sold to just so that I can dissect what makes yep. a good sales pitch. And what I've found personally is, um, and I've studied communications, I've always been interested mm -hmm. in psychology and whatnot. So I can kind of always understand, like I can always recognize when people are trying to manipulate me into a sale. And what I've found is that I'm most um, uh, prone to buy something is when I feel like I'm genuinely being helped. Even if that means yeah. that what they're selling is not my solution. And, and that's, I think that that touches on the bedoofness that you're talking about, which is yeah, what yeah. do you actually want? Like, because then, because then I can help you. And even if that means that you end up not becoming my customer, you might become an ambassador. You might refer new customers to me, but if I'm always trying yeah. to make that sale and I'm not really fine, Actually, interestingly, interestingly enough, I actually, I just um, I wrote a I wrote a I wrote a post about that, but I haven't posted it yet. Sorry, I was actually just uh, trying to remember whether I whether or not I posted it. But lately, in the lately in the, in the conversations that I have with potential customers with leads, I actually ask them what would benefit you if we did it, and it helps them to prime themselves on thinking about the problems that they have. Uh, not necessarily about my product, but it does put me in the same context because now they're yeah. thinking about my, their problems and me in the same context. And then you can actually have a genuine conversation about, okay, so how, how can we go about solving it? And, um, uh, and, and, and I think it's because, as you say, people are very individual, but also sometimes you just don't know yet. Um, I was having a conversation earlier today with uh, Marika who is the wife of Yoast. The, well, obviously, she's more than the wife of Yoast, but like the Yoast plugin is named after Yoast. So this is why I'm introducing yeah. it that way. Sorry, sorry, Marika, if, this is, if you're listening to this and you feel like now you've been uh, <laughs> misintroduced. But, um, uh, and she basically asked me, like, how are people solving the problem that you're solving right now? And with WildCloud, uh, as it turns out, and, I, and it may be in the same way with Grade, by the way, but, peop but people that are solving the problem that we're solving are currently solving it by hiring more people. Yeah. Which means yeah. that they may not be aware of the problem. They think yeah. it might just be the cost of doing business because businesses scale up in people as you grow your business. But people don't always assume that you can also grow without hiring more people. So the conversation was actually very valuable because uh, understanding that people may not be aware of the problem, and she made the analogy of uh, uh, a dentist commercial. So there was a, a commercial for toothpaste. And in the beginning, the commercial was 
do you also have infected gums? And nobody bought the toothpaste. And then they started saying, do you also sometimes have blood when you brush your teeth? Because yeah. they weren't aware of the problem, which is infected gums, but they were aware of the symptom. And so now you can actually make people aware of a problem that they didn't know was a problem and that they didn't know was possible to solve. They just thought it was a fact of life. And um, um, I think that's like a very interesting underlying truth that it's that sometimes um, underestimated when you when you're a business owner and especially in your case when you're also an employer. I mean, basically, we did it the same way. Talking about sales pitches, if if you think you are not a buyer, you have to think of a WordPress guy in an agency. This one is definitely not a buyer, and he doesn't want to talk on telephone about nothing. He doesn't want to get called. Yeah. So, but we had to do it. Yeah, we started, and uh, if you start, yeah, you need to find customers in the in the beginning. You don't have money for ads or something. Your website wouldn't work. So. Thomas called those people and Thomas is also a web designer. He's doing that for 20 years now. Yeah. So he knows all the problems and basically they are, they are always the same. It's uh, multi-site, multi-language, the problem with multi-purpose themes, blah, 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 all the things in the last couple of years. Yeah? And he knows that they had the same problems, the same feelings. They, they both ask themselves, why is that such a problem? Why do I have to do it every time on my own? And this way they could relate. And then the sales pitch was more like, let's talk about us. Yeah. And so all the boxes checked and not like though. I'm, I'm also, I also do like when salespeople call me, especially if they're young, because then you really see how they want to check your boxes. Is this something you need? Would you buy it if the price was right? Yeah. And I'm always yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but we, I mean, in the end, you have to do things like that to close it. Yeah. But we wanted to relate to the customer's problems. Yeah. Not, not the features. Yeah. I mean, global content could be everything. Dynamic templates could be everything, but the problem is the problem or the bedürfnis in the end. And those people, they, they try to find solution for things for the last couple of years and it, it won't work. And then you show them great suite and you are like, if we could solve the problem, would you want to have a look on it? Bam. So this is the way I yeah. think that's, I think that's great. Actually, um, yeah. almost immediately before I jumped on this podcast with you, I had a sales call with a TikTok agency and uh, we don't do anything on TikTok, and they specialize mm -hmm. in organic growth. And we're okay. interested in exploring TikTok as a, as a marketing channel. So I wanted to get on a call and explore my, uh, my options. And mm -hmm. um, so, okay. So we were just talking about how feeling understood and feeling like they put the, put the research into finding out if they can solve your problem is like, a, is like a, a matchmaker. That's the game changer, right? That's the secret formula. And they actually had a very interesting way of displaying that to me. So the guy I was talking to um, uh, uh, repeated a couple of times that we wouldn't have this conversation if they didn't think that they could help me. And get this, they have a guarantee that if they don't double your monthly recurring revenue in three months, then you don't have to pay. 
that I knew that going into the conversation. I, I got a, a, an advertisement and I thought, damn, that's a bold statement. I'm not necessarily you now, being convinced you should now by show it. The, you should now show the URL here in the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would find it. I'm still making... I, I, honestly, it's such a bold claim. It's such a... So I wanted, okay. to speak to the, I wanted to speak to anybody who has such a bold claim just to see if I could yeah. learn something. And yeah. I did. I, I think they I, I think they actually put a lot of thought as like I don't know anything I still have to research the use cases and I'm definitely mm. going to do my research I'm the the jury is not out but as far as a sales conversation goes I think they made a very interesting structure they basically said we have this guarantee which mm. uh, basically mandates that we have to do our research otherwise we're going to make empty promises that we cannot keep. So we have mm. to do the research before we actually get on the call. And then he repeated a couple of times that we wouldn't have this conversation if the team didn't think that they could scale. And I and I and without really digging much more into my like in my use case during the call, because it was only half an hour and there's only so much you can discuss, he basically said to me, Look, we did our research. We know you we know we can help. Here's how we can do it. Let's talk about it. And I thought it was a very interesting way of um of trying to make a sale, to be honest, um, and uh, and that feel, particular structure. How did you feel when he repeated that? How did you feel when he repeated actually, that? Was that giving you? Actually, it it made me feel really good. Okay. Yeah, it made me feel. It made me feel like first there's a team behind him, behind this particular mm -hmm. salesperson that does the research, and second, um, it also felt like he was putting something on the line here. Because they wouldn't make this claim that they can double your revenue in three months if they if they wouldn't do their due diligence. Because otherwise, it would just cost you a lot of money. If that's if that's really if if you're if you're serious about that claim, if if you're not a bullshit company and you're corrupt and you're a criminal, um, then you have to be very diligent with the clients that you take on. So um, repeating it a couple of times actually made me feel very good because it almost also took the pressure of me explaining my problem. Yeah. Like I didn't have to cover everything in the first half hour. He basically said, look, don't sweat it. We also did our research. So otherwise we wouldn't have this conversation. Yeah. And I think it worked really well. And it helps you, it helps you buying it in the end, because otherwise, I mean, basically we are in the, we are in the same situation. Um, we are also thinking about new channels yeah, maybe TikTok whatsoever. I don't care. Uh, but you think about the new channel, you know, on, on the old ones, you get a lead for this and that. You try to start another one, you know, it will be costly. It will, yeah. And you always want to stop yourself from buying that new channel you, because you know it will be expensive. It will be another adventure. It will take you time and stuff and stuff and stuff. Yeah? So you always want to not do it. You always want to have more Google leads or whatsoever. And this helps you to, in the end, do it, yeah. Yeah, because for exactly. companies like us, I'm, I mean, there are there are new fresh companies who can work with TikTok. There are obviously companies who, at the moment, like German machine builders, may not work with TikTok. But companies like us may may work with TikTok. But I would say it's. I mean, I'm 38 now. I'm now at at an age which makes it difficult to. I mean, I have to say that it makes it difficult to understand it. Yeah. I mean, I understand what it do it's what it's doing software wise. Yeah? <laughs> no, I, I love it. Yeah. I love that you're being so candid. Uh, to be honest, I deleted yeah, TikTok. I because 
it was way too addictive. Uh, last year, okay. I spent my summer in Berlin. I used to live in Berlin, yeah. and I, I went to Berlin yeah. for the for the month to visit my old friends. And one of yeah. my smartest friends, yeah. um, she just went. She kept raving about TikTok, how smart the mm. algorithm is, yeah. and how addictive it is. And I was like, wow, you're one of my smartest friends, and you're just keeping going on and on about this. In my eyes, immature app. So I downloaded it and then it was just, it blew me away. Honestly, like mm. it's, it's the algorithm is so fucking good. It'll just like feed you new shit and it will just keep you addicted. Um, so I deleted it. I'm still using uh, Instagram, which I find significantly less addictive, but I am actually on it quite a bit because I love to watch uh, videos of content makers and then be inspired by ways of creating videos for myself or for our company. So I do, I do see definitely the benefit because I'm sure most people I know are, are on TikTok. And the only reason why I'm not is because I don't want to spend my complete, complete day on TikTok. But definitely everybody I know is on there. So there's definitely also my target mm -hmm. audience there. I'm sure. That's interesting. Yeah? So we have to try it ourselves now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do it together and then see if they can actually double our revenue. <laughs> do, we have to do we have to dance then? <laughs> the dancing, do, do, uh, the dancing founders. I'm not that? sure. Do people want to see that? I'm, uh, I'm very, um, I'm pretty sure that people don't want to see me dance. For sure, not on TikTok. Mm. It's not going to result in any more sales. Uh, but I'll, mm. I can tell you what they told me, uh, because I'm sure that this is not a secret in the first sales call. Yeah. Basically, what they do is uh, I actually wrote a note. Hold on. So basically, what they do is they create content. Uh, based on other viral content that has some relation to your product or your, to your target audience. So in our case, mm -hmm. WildCloud, the, the, the ideal customer profile is an agency that builds websites. Often they describe themselves as a marketing agency. And in our case, the decision maker is usually the business owner. It's not mm -hmm. the IT department because our ideal customer profile doesn't have an IT department. It usually you speak to the to the owner directly. So it's like an agency from a freelancer up to 10 to 15 people. So, all right. So basically it's you and me, right? So those are the people that I usually speak to. Um, so basically what he said, it was a very simple like formula. He said, we're just going to create content that would appeal to that audience based on other content that has gone viral. So we're just going to remake it with a slight twist. And it's not going to be about your business at all. It's just going to be the content that your audience loves to see. And we're going to be posting every day. And we're going to look for those posts that blow up, that have like a couple hundred thousand views, maybe even a million. That post we're going to make again, but now it's going to include some form of product placement because the algorithm of TikTok is going to show content that has gone viral to the same people when you make another another thing. And so when yeah. that second post has the product placement, that's the CTA to your website. And then you rinse and repeat, you repeat the cycle. And to be honest, I thought that was a fairly straightforward, believable, slightly convincing uh, formula. If you, if, I mean, if you, if you say it to me like that, I'm like, yeah, I suppose that I mean, works. It's absolutely data driven. And this is what people like us need. Yeah. And in the end, I was always like, are our customers on Instagram, do they use TikTok? In the end, 
greatest customers who are younger than I am, who are more successful than I am, and who are faster technology-wise than I am. Yeah, so obviously they are on TikTok. Yeah, I mean you always think that there is a 55-year-old guy who will buy the software you create, but that's 20 years ago because basically this this buyer is as old as I uh, I am or younger. Yeah? Exactly. I'm interested. Yeah? Exactly. You, have to show, so, you have to show me. I will tell you offline. I don't want to be the guy who promotes a company that he hasn't worked with yet on a podcast. Because yeah. I have no idea yeah. how this is going to turn out in the next month. However, I do promise anybody who's listening to this that if we do decide to work with them, I will tell people and I'll also keep people updates. Because if this works, why I mean, keep the secret for anybody able else? To sell, if they are able to sell white cloud, then they are able to basically sell every theme and plugin in, in the WordPress realm. Well, what I thought was interesting is, um, is that they are not necessarily worried about understanding the ins and outs of your product, which is something that I was highly skeptical about before mm -hmm. the call. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to go into the call basically to do research, to learn about what the options are and what people are doing in the space, in the TikTok space. Mm -hmm. But I was, I mean, I'm having a hard time positioning our product, right? It's, it's hard to appeal to our customers. But basically what he did is he flipped it upside down. He said, we're not necessarily concerned with understanding the features of your product so that we can pre present them in the best possible way. We're just worried, uh, we're not worried. We're concerned with the people buying your product. So if you know who are buying your product, and fortunately we do, then we're going to create content that appeals to them. And then if we make the second video after the first one blows up and we just put some product placement in it, it's going to drive leads to your company website. And I was like, I want to see that. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically everything that we want to do. We don't want to talk about content. We just want to talk about conversion, about data, not about any black boxes like, yeah, but we have to do it because we know the secret. They're just data driven. Yeah, yeah exactly. So in, in that sense, um, the question is, uh, do you, do you want to do that yourself? I mean, obviously you can basically just take that formula and imp implement it for yourself, but then you have to be an expert in finding viral content that also appeals yeah. to your audience. So you're going to have to be on TikTok all day long. And then no. you also have to be able to make those. <laughs> no. <laughs> if only I had the time. <laughs> Not even if. I mean, tell that tell that to Sandra, our CMO. And she wouldn't do that. But we we have a, a working student. She's twenty two years old. She has TikTok. It should. It She's should probably be on TikTok uh, anyhow. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when she works. <laughs> <laughs> so let's put it to good use then. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's I think it's very interesting to um, to review those propositions um, because I think you know um, trying to find trying to find the perfect proposition for your particular customer is very hard, right? I mean, yeah. do you go? I mean, I, we've had this conversation before as well. Do you do you do a free trial? Do you do a freemium product? Do you do a refund? Um, do you do a claim such as they do? Um, mm. It depends obviously on the product and it depends on the audience, but it's one of those key things 
that if you figure it out, if you can do the, the pricing proposition perfectly, if you can nail that, um, there's really nothing that stands in your way in terms of growth. I mean, that's really all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And furthermore, it's, it's also how you sell it. Yeah. We, we talked about that a couple of times, for example, in Germany, as we talked about us being German, we always show features. Yeah. And, uh, showing features is not about TikTok. TikTok is showing emotions, solutions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Excitement. And you should be excited using great because it's obviously a good piece of software, but when I just show you the list of features, that's like looking into ingredients. I mean, it's not interesting. Yeah? And if that's... you, if you find, if you use that channel, you should do it that way. And then you can also, if, if you have that excitement, if, if you have that excitement, if you are in that part of the sales funnel, let's, let's talk about that. You are, you are not talking about features, but you are excited. What would you do then? Would you give it out for free? Or would you? No, no. I mean, if you're excited about a product and you know, it's going to help you, why would you give it away for free? Right? Mm -hmm. So that, that is faster than just, or that is a better way selling it than just showing the features because then obviously the person is like, and now I need to check out if the features are really working. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, I think it all comes back to building trust. Um, you can build trust by, like we spoke about before, um, uh, trying to help, like trying to genuinely help mm. someone in the conversation, not just trying to shove your product down their throats, but actually trying to understand mm. their problems relate to those problems and then solve it in the context of your product, if applicable. Mm. But also, um, if you can, if you can share an emotion that your customers are having using your product, it also builds trust, right? And, and I think mm. that's at the end of the day, it's, it's, it, it, that carries over to your, to your prospective customer, to your, to your lead. I think that's basically what that is about. Um, showing that you're genuinely helping people and not just, mm. um, in it to make money or like, yeah, for the wrong reasons, basically. And what we learned is that we are, we are giving it basically out for free with a branded banner. So if you need to work with it or you need to have an, um, a project for a customer, you have to pay for the license to get rid of the banner, but we, yeah, we are more into subscription models and some features are only in the bigger subscriptions. Yeah. So, and they are complex and we want basically a lot of money. I mean, it's right that, uh, our, our big agency subscription is one of the most expensive products in, in WordPress. Yeah. But it's also a very capable software. And the way we talk about it is you have to subscribe because the features are really, really, really good and you can do nice things with it, but we will give you an onboarding and not just a simple video onboarding, but an onboarding, how you use the software. And what you need to know about WordPress is that basically everybody has a different way to use WordPress. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, ma mean, that's a major insight. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, you, you have to, you have to show people in their environment, how it works. Yeah. If uh, this guy is building forms always like this, you have to show him how it works in his idea on our infrastructure, not just tell him, 
these are forms, use it. Yeah. So our idea is to make, if he buys it, make him successful as fast as possible, make him productive. Yeah. The only thing you don't want is him to regret. Yeah. So you make him successful, but not in a general demo or a, a sandbox. Thomas is always using the word sandbox. And I always tell him, don't use that fucking word. Sorry. Sorry for cursing. <laughs> because sandbox is a horrible word. Sandbox tells you nobody gives, uh, gives a shit about you. You can do things, but we don't know. It's not a project. Just do things. And if it works, go for it. Buy it. Yeah. And we look into a new project of the customer and show him how it can work with GradeSuite and how small are the parts in his process that he has to adapt. And then he can start and he's, suc he's successful. He doesn't regret. And he knows if he buys it, he gets an onboarding. So it's not like I have to pay for a couple of months and I can't use it. It's also trust and safe. Yeah. Safety. Yeah. It's safety. Yeah. I agree, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm actually looking at your website at the same time, looking at your pricing page, and um, yeah. I didn't even know we that there was a free. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> but I didn't know there was a free version of Grade um, that yeah. came included with a banner. I think that's a very interesting. Basically, you have a freemium model then. Well. It depends. I mean, a freemium model in the end, you can use, I mean, you can use Elementor, do commercial products or projects and fine. Yeah. If you do it with great, I mean, if, if your customers are fine with having a great banner, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can use it, you can try it, but I, we want to have, we want to get money for it. Yeah. I mean, we are a company and that's just fair. We do a lot for it. We work hard, so we need to get paid. Yeah. And. I mean, there is this discussion is if the, if the freemium, um, sales funnel and the way, uh, SRS companies were built up in the last couple of, of years, this, this funnel might be done. Yeah. And this was the freemium way. And it is very expensive. Didn't work for a lot of companies and we couldn't go that way because we are not venture driven. Was just, not I'm not possible, saying huh? that you. I'm not saying that your customers should use the freemium plan to no, no, go they, live they with should, actual yeah. customers. I, no, I'm, I'm more saying like that's okay. You're basically, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more saying like you're, you're giving them an opportunity to try out the product for as mm. long as they like in order to yeah. make it their own. Um, and then once you get convinced, I can, I actually see that you can actually get started with uh, a website for as little as sixty nine euros per month. So I mean, and that includes a personal onboarding. So it's, it's a really great deal. And, and it's also one new website per month. Yeah. So you can, it's, it's the agency way basically, because as an agency, you, ah. you develop website, you sell websites. So with that 69 euros, you can develop and deploy a website every Each month. So month. basically that's every website only costs you 69 euros. Huh? Hey, that's a, that's a really interesting model. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen that before. Right. So yeah, you pay 69 euros. We have to do it different. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, I, I'm glad we touched upon it in this podcast. I, I, I think that people listening to it can definitely take inspiration from it. Um, because you basically put yourself, you, you put yourself in the shoes of the agency by saying, look, we know that you need to sell websites in order to literally make money in order to be self-sustainable. Um, and so we offered you a flat fee 
with which you can launch a new site every month because we rely we, we we know that you have to launch new sites every month similarly if you get for the if you go for the corporate package those are for slightly bigger companies where you launch three mm -hmm. sites every month which definitely and is get, um and you get support hmm? and if, if you're talking about industry standard websites you need to get support in every industry yeah. if you buy tools you get support from the professional developer yeah that's part of it. I if think I, you, uh, you need that. If, yeah, I agree with you. If I may ask for uh, a bit of bragging about WildCloud by proxy, could you please explain to the people why Wild and Great are such a good combination to make? I mean, in the end, Great, in, if you see it from an enterprise perspective, is about managing a lot of websites, deploying a lot of websites all the time. Um, in the WordPress case, you had to use multi-site. Yeah? Multi-site is great, but it's, it's complex. And there are lots of people who don't like multi-site because multi-site is complex. And a lot of page builders and software aren't good with multi-sites and some hosters too. So from, I, from our perspective, we didn't want to use multi-sites. We want to have lots of websites and to manage them centrally, also the versions and stuff. Yeah, And I talked about a WordPress website is always a project if for example you use great with cloud it's basically an, an, an sis product yeah and it's totally integrated and deploying websites launching launching websites uh, updating websites that is so easy and in the past it was always about hosting and hosting is technology it is hardware it's something else yeah? for example if you are in a in a marketing um in a marketing branch of a company, they don't have experts for hosting. It's always, always external services. Yeah? And why do you care about hosting? You just want, as I say, why do you need a, a header builder, an external header builder plugin for your website? Why do I need to care about hosting? I need to be fast. I need to change things. I need to do it from a, from a central hub. Yeah? And I said, I said earlier on, I mean, you, Great and and well, that's two two parts two sides of a medal. Yeah, we are doing the software, the content stuff, and you are doing all the syncing, everything that we had to do with multi-site, which becomes very very easy. All the control about all the versions, about deploying anywhere, that's so easy. Yeah, and um, for example, in the last couple of, of huge projects with a couple hundred of websites, the problem was always not the software but the hosting in the end. Yeah? It took a lot of time, was a lot of trouble. Launching is a lot of trouble. Going from a staging to a live system is a lot of trouble. And if you want to do that, WhiteCloud is your perfect tool anyways. But if you want to do it for hundreds of websites and also control the content and being, uh, having a dynamic and connecting all those sites, connecting with, with great, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah? That absolutely makes sense. I am and definitely cutting out that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you talked about uh, you talked about companies are solving complex problems with throwing people. I always say you, you throw people at problems, yeah, and you solve that, yeah. And it is very hard to get capable hosting people into your company. And hosting is always a mess if you talk about a multitude of multi-sites. Yeah? I mean, we have projects with 60 different multi-sites in the whole infrastructure. And 
if you use it, if you do it that way, it's throwing people on problems. Yeah. And you, you, you optimize it. Yeah? And that is absolutely great. I mean, we have been, we have been fans of your product from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you really changed yeah. the beginning. That's my personal opinion. And thanks man. We, and we are of yours, fortunately. I mean, this, this actually, um, um, I hope that we're becoming part of a movement that is going to grow in size. Um, we are now in the in the middle of closing a partnership with a company that does a dashboard for all of those sites. So if you want your let's let's take the example of a franchise, and um, let's say you're using WildCloud to host those those sites, and you're using Great to then uh, 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 synchronize content on top of that and build the sites, obviously, then um, you actually may want to use like a portal where you can, where you can log into for the individual franchises, that could be another way of, of enriching that user experience. And then we also noticed that there's um, a feature by UiPress that will let you, because I don't know if you know what UiPress does, but it let, it lets you customize the WP admin. So basically make sure WP admin more beautiful. And if you have multiple sites, you can actually sync that design to multiple sites at the same time. So basically does what great does for the front end, but it does it for the back end so that your user experience as a user actually becomes more seamless. And so, I mean, all, yeah, the, all the useful solutions will be like that. I mean, it's not about which page builder is the best anymore. I mean, it's getting more and more complex and I love it. I really love it. Yeah, it's it's. I, I mean, mean you, you've said this from the beginning of this conversation. It's about adopting a product-based mindset, right? To productize the service yeah. and to really t think about scalability. Uh, we're not yeah. not even thinking about sc scalability. The first principle within the company is scalability, and you can only do that from a product-based yeah. mentality. Otherwise, you're always managing projects, which is inherently yeah. unscalable because you have to throw bodies at the problem. Um, and I just think that this is. Such a wonderful direction, uh, such a wonderful movement that we're observing here. I mean, there are lots of talks uh, about how enterprise WordPress will be like, should be like. I mean, we have our own opinions about that. In the end, if you want have if you want to have industry scalable pro products, yeah, you have to have products. Yeah, and we parts of WordPress have to grow up. I agree. And there I, are there are really strong founders, uh, entrepreneurs who are creating the right stuff at the moment. And there are also um, visionary investors like obviously Yoast who is who's seeing that, yeah. And he is investing yeah. in, in the right in the right products, in the right companies because he knows what's coming. Big shout out to Yoast uh, and Marika, who uh, indeed I can definitely vouch for the I'm not necessarily oh. all, only referencing our uh, company as obviously. But they've invested in Atrium, they've invested in Extendify, they've invested in Equalize Digital, who does the accessibility checker. Yeah. Um, they've Big even fan. invested in a company that will calculate your, um, how do you say that, your carbon dioxide output. So it will calculate how uh, efficient your, your website is uh, based on the carbon footprint. That's it. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think is such a wonderful addition to any website. I mean, I, I haven't actually seen this plugin in action yet, but I, mm. I, I assume that this is something that everybody would want to have. I mean, there are tools for it at the moment, like uh, page speed measuring. Um, and it will we, tell you the carbon footprint? 
Yeah, of the website, yeah. I didn't know that. I I don't know how how correct that is. Yeah, I mean, a plugin might be way better. Um, but um, I measure carbon I've... footprint of website. I mean, we tested that. This is a nice story. Uh, there was a a downloader of Great Street. She was a, a consultant and web designer for not carbon free, but uh, mostly sustainable websites. Though they wanted mm -hmm. to have a, just a small footprint. And at that time, I was preparing preparing every downloader, every lead for Thomas, so they he could uh, have a specific demo. And I was like, yeah, what, what, what are the features? What can we tell her? What can we sell her? So I just wanted to measure the footprint of, of our grade, uh, .de site. And it's a huge site. It, had, it has HubSpot in it uh, and stuff. So it's not that fast because of all the integrations. Yeah? And uh, there's a lot of, lot of uh, data load because of all the integrations. But the system itself, grade itself, is developed very, very lean. So in the end, our footprint was smaller than her footprint and she had a small landing page. So it, it's not just about, yeah, I mean, ironic, lots of things. I mean, it's the same with accessibility. There are so many things that can be better and they, there you also have to integrate it into uh, the software. If you want to have a sustainable software, it's not just the, the, the job of the designer. It has to be integrated. Also accessibility. I mean, there I are agree. so many rules. If you put that on a designer, that that won't work. It has to be part of the uh, of the product, yeah? yeah, of the process. Yeah, I, I mean of the process. Of the end of the, the process, yeah. Unfolds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean will, I, I, what we, I'm trying to are... say is, uh, 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 great. The product presupposes a certain process, like you build your sites in a certain yeah. way because that's what the product yeah, allows yeah. you to. And I I fully agree with you there that the accessibility should be built in. Um, yeah. And um, I think that's really on, the only way that you can abide by any form of accessibility because otherwise imaginations just run wild and you end up with stuff that just is yeah. inaccessible. For example, we are integrating a, a little helper, a Gaudi little helper for accessibility, which when you create the website will tell you, do you really want to do that? I mean, you can, but better would be to do this and that because you can't know all the rules as a designer. Yeah, And sometimes if you do it 100% accessible, nobody would want it because it, will, it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't look like seamless, fine design, etc. Yeah? So it has to be a golden middle way. I agree. Hey, look, it's um, 6.30 in the evening, and um, I think we've done a pretty good job at talking nonstop without much pause. I think we things wrap that up. are only interesting for us. <laughs> <laughs> I like hope always, other people. I hope we'll get a couple of uh, yeah. responses. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I don't think this is the last time we we did a podcast together. Um, actually, so I, I enjoyed the stuff that we uh, didn't like speak about uh, preparing for this podcast, and I think we could do more of that. So uh, let's keep that in mind. Absolutely. Thank you for awesome. the invitation. And, uh, I th it was a pleasure. I, I mean, it's an open invitation. We're going to do it again. And for anybody listening, thank you for keeping up with us. And uh, we'll see you for the next one. Have a good time. Bye-bye. <laughs>